Hello, I'm David Moscrop. Welcome to Open to Debate. Anti-trans hate and violence is on the rise in Canada and the United States. Indeed, 2021 was the most violent year for trans people on record worldwide. Online and offline, trans people face growing threats, driven in large part by right-wing extremists and their enablers in the media and politics, as well as those who remain silent. Tackling this hate and violence requires a combination of community and government work across borders. Towards that end, we ask, how should we fight anti-trans hate? My guest on this episode of Open to Debate is Wynne Noland, Chief Executive Officer of Bradley and Parker and Trans Advocate. I'd like to start with a line you shared in an interview with Insider. You talk about how you'd sent an email to your firm in which you'd come out as trans and you say, and I quote, it had taken me a year or two to prepare and begin living as myself full time. That line really stood out to me. What was that process of, of preparation and how was it conditioned by working in the in the business world? There was kind of a, two parts to that whole situation for me. And one was my own personal life, my own personal circle of friends, um, my own um, non-professional standing in the community, you know, going to the corner butcher or my favorite restaurant, the, the dry cleaner, you know, just things we all do every day. Um, and then there was the knowledge that in addition to having to kind of handle that aspect of what I was trying to do, I was going to also have to handle a business and a professional aspect. Um, and certainly um, there are similar strategies to dealing with both situations, but also some differences as well. So I kind of divided it into a two-part um a two-part process for me. And for me, it was kind of getting my personal life situated pretty much first. Um, and then once I was satisfied that, that that had gone fairly well, I was then able to move on to the business portion um, and um, went from there. Because you talk about how the the business community is conservative, I don't think I don't think many people are going to be surprised to hear that, and so well, you have well, concerns partic- around partic- that, right? Particularly, particularly the industry that I'm in. So yeah. you know, our firm is mostly involved in um, insurance for companies, so corporate insurance, corporate employee benefits. So it tends to be a pretty buttoned-down environment. I mean, you know, it's less buttoned-down now than it was 10 years ago, but just about every business is like that. But it's still pretty conservative. Um, you know, it's not like being in the advertising business or other business that businesses that are typically, um, you know, less 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 buttoned-down. Let's, let's characterize it that way. Mm-hmm. So I, I certainly did have um, my share of concerns probably bordering on anxiety about how that was going to be accepted. But you say you were surprised by the support you received from your colleagues. Uh, how did that support manifest? Um, it really was almost universal and almost immediate. Um, I just uh, was very, um, I was very heartened by the amount of support that was shown to me. 
Um, and it, it ran the gamut from people just, um, you know, telling me in person um, how they hoped that, you know, I would be happy with the, the decision I had made and that they were behind me. I received notes, both, you know, traditional written notes and email notes from people wishing me luck and, and pledging their support. Um, and that extended not only to our team members here, but it also extended to uh, clients of the company and various business partners. The, the business we have is we basically match up a company's need for insurance with the various insurance carriers that are out there. It's a very typical function in the business world. Um, but it means that not only do I have clients that, that re you know, that rely on, on what we do, we also have relationships with all those various insurance companies, most of which are household names. And again, pretty much all of them very traditional um, in their outlook. And, and so, I mean, this is, encouraging to hear and and I think some folks would be uh, uh, particularly encouraged that in, in a conservative industry we're seeing this sort of response but we know that in broader uh, contemporary context of, of North America there's a serious anti-trans hate violence pro uh, problem um, you know 2021 was the most violent year for trans people on record worldwide it's growing as a problem in the United States. It's growing as a problem in Canada. Hate crimes are up. Uh, so that's the context, the broader context. It's it's serious and getting well, worse. Yeah, agreed. And and I think part of I think part of my positive experience um, is my location. So you know, as we sit here today, I'm about twenty miles or so east of Manhattan, uh, New York. Uh, particularly in the Manhattan metro area, is a pretty liberal-leaning place, although there are parts of Long Island that are very, um, and upstate New York, that that are very red. I mean, you know, New York traditionally is blue, mostly because of the power of the urban areas, not the not the suburban areas. Um, so I think part of that was, was helpful. I, I, I don't, I can't tell um, what my experience would have been if I was leading this company in Alabama, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's impossible to tell, but, but, but my sense is that it might not have been as positive. Um, but the, the point you raise about the increase in violence and just the whole anti-trans rhetoric that that's, that's unquestionably out there right now and unquestionably getting louder um, is what is most disturbing. Mm -hmm. And to me, and you know, when, when I talk to people about this, I'm not a politician, I'm a business person. Um, one of the reasons why I came out with my story in such a big way a few years ago when it was covered by the Wall Street Journal was that I do think that by normalizing this situation um, and making people understand more about it, that they become less fearful because I think that's where most of these things come from a combination of fear and ignorance. And, you know, how do we get over that? Well, we get over that by not being ignorant and then hopefully then the fear falls away. So, and people, especially with trans issues, people are typically not ignorant because they're intentionally. So um, one of, one of the things 
that, that fits in with what I'm saying is, is most people, um, you know, have no experience with with trans people, mm-hmm. which is not which is not hard to believe because every time I read an estimate of how many trans people are here in the United States, it's regularly under two percent of the population. So, of course, that also leads me to believe why in this situation that that's considerably under two two percent of the population. Why is this such a talking point for people? Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes it makes no sense. It's it's like you know, it, it's like the tail wagging the dog. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of crazy, and I think it's just because it's one of these issues that they think they get traction on, and that that the media seems all too happy to pick up on it, and and that's both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, when you publicize these things, it it gives credence to it whether the coverage is positive or not, really, you know, so, um, uh, so it's, it's certainly very, very troubling. And I think the sad thing, the really sad thing is, and I, and I, by the way, I think that we're suffering this as a nation under all sorts of, of topics of discussion and bones of contention, not just trans issues or other, you know, LBGTQ issues. But but I think that, you know, if you really talk to the average, average person in this country, um, they're pretty open-minded and have pretty much a live and let live attitude. Um, but, but, the, but the narrative and the rhetoric is driven by these really extreme pockets. And those extreme pockets exist on both the left and the right. And the people in the middle don't really seem to get heard. Um, now, part of that is their own problem because they're not making sure their voice gets heard. But, but I think again, I think a lot of that is just ignorance, and they don't they don't really understand, um, you know, how these kinds of things are affecting people. Because when you talk to them one on one about how they're affecting people, they 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 rarely support, um, you know, those kinds of of actions. If if what I'm saying makes sense to you. Yeah, I mean, do you think there's a a fundamental generational divide? Because you know, to some extent, there's obviously a political divide, but I I wonder to what extent it's it's generational. Because you mentioned, look, I mean, there's a lot of folks who haven't had experiences with trans people. It made me think a little bit about the same-sex marriage debate in, here in Canada, where for you know, you there's a turning point at which young people just sort of said, "This just isn't an issue. I don't care. People are going to marry who they want to marry. Let's move on with it." Yeah, I think there's definitely a component. There's definitely a component of that. Um, I also think that there is sometimes a difference when somebody in my position is talking one-on-one to somebody. Um, And and I've seen examples of this because what happens is because of that, of the fact that they don't have a lot of experience if you're, you know, a right-leaning person that that listens to Fox News lately, um, you know, Fox News or watches Fox News, I should say. Fox News seems to have something anti-trans on it, you know, every other day, um, if not every day. And and I think if you're a right-leaning person that watches Fox News, you know, that stuff starts to infiltrate your brain, and you know, maybe you say, um, maybe you say. Yeah, that's right. I, that That's crazy why that happens. But when I've had conversations privately with people, 
um, they really don't they really don't come across that way. And I think that's because they know me. They know the person they're talking to. They knew me most times before I before I transitioned and after. And like like they know that I didn't go through this so I could just cruise the ladies room to look at girls. Mm. And because they know me and they know that's not what this is about. But when somebody says that on Fox News, which is something I just saw the other day on Tucker Carlson, you know, it was all about, you know, a guy being in the girls locker room that that was, you know, they kept pounding that point home. And of course, they keep saying a guy, even though this person is trans. So, you know, they don't say trans person. They keep reaffirming that it's a guy and because, you know, to, to a lot of people, if you say there's a guy in the girl's locker room. They don't think that that's cool. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. most people don't think that. So, so by, 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 by totally, um, uh, by totally disassociating the fact that this person is trans and is not a guy, they fundamentally, um, you know, break that argument. So it's, it, it's really, you use the word, it really is, it's disturbing and concerning um the way this is all going and you know here in the united states um you know we'll see what this election cycle brings but mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not overly hopeful and, and by the way this is coming from someone that candidly on most financial issues is extremely conservative like mm -hmm. every other business person um when i'm working my business life we're here to make profits for the company, protect our clients, you know, because we're in it, we're in the insurance business. So there's a there's a protection aspect here. We want to make sure our people are protected. And, you know, traditionally, um, the conservatives and the Republicans have more favorable business principles. So, you know, when, when I talk negatively about these people, it's going against a lot of my core beliefs. But <laughs> at the same time, um, you just can you just cannot ignore how a significant part of the leadership of these parties that that's driving the narrative wants people like me not to exist. Mm -hmm. Well, so you mentioned, I mean, some of this is coming from ignorance. Some of this is coming from a lack of experience with trans people. Some of it is fundamentally malevolent, right? And I agree. You know, there's, you there's a percentage of that. That's I, I totally concur. There yeah. is definitely a percentage of that um, that's out there. I tend to be an eternal optimist. So I'm hoping that percentage is relatively small. And those are the people that are really causing the most problems. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I might be wrong about that, but, but, you know, but <laughs> I'm, sticking with that for I'm sticking with that for now. I think you're right though. I mean, I think you're right, but you know, it's a small group that does an outsized amount of damage. And you mentioned Fox news. I mean, we know a lot of, of the problem is coming from right, right wing extremist rhetoric, both online and offline. Right. And it's fueling Correct. real world and consequences, including violence. Right. Correct. A absolutely right. And and, you know, the fact of the matter is sometimes sometimes, you know, there are victories where we don't expect them. And I wrote about this in a piece a couple of years ago. Um, I was convinced, as were so many people that, that I know that that are um, in our community and supporters of our community. I was convinced that a couple of years ago or maybe close to three years ago now um, here in the United States, states we had a very significant case in front of the supreme court involving title nine and mm -hmm. um you probably know the case it was basically about um 
there there might have been more than two cases involved in the action, but but the two cases I actually know about, um, one was a trans person, and one I think was a, a homosexual or bisexual person, and they were terminated um, simply because of the in one case their gender status, and in the other case, uh, you know their gender their gender preference. Um, and I think most people, because, you know, this was the stacked Supreme Court that everybody was so petrified of, most people felt, you know, really concerned that they were going to strike down that provision of Title IX that was granting the protections. And to the surprise of many, you know, that really conservative court stood up for those employees and stood up for the rest of us uh, in the workplace. And that was a very significant victory. Um, you know, we, we talk about the defeats, um, but I think it's also important for us to talk about the victories um, because that victory came uh, at the hands of a very conservative court. And I would like to think that with the kind of outreach that I'm doing and the kind of um, the kind of conversations that 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 you're having, um, that we can build on those things and and, you know, have a better society that's more accepting of people and their differences, you know, rather than, you know, this, this police state for trans people that, you know, some of these characters that we talked about before seem to want so badly. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned the American political context right now, uh, you know, this is, we're recording this just ahead of the midterms. Yeah. Uh, we, it, that's a giant black box. We don't know what's inside it. We don't know what's coming. There's a lot of trepidation. It's also, though, a long continuation of a culture war in America that goes back to, in some ways, Barry Goldwater, right? And, and you know, this goes back decades. I mean, do you think this is just a continuation of that culture war? Is this a new front on the culture war that's been manifested for decades? I, I, I absolutely think that. I think that's a really good, uh, I think that's a really good analysis of the situation. I think that for whatever reason, you know, however these uh, uh, these political operatives come up with these topics, um, you know, that they just they're grabbing onto the trans topic, they're grabbing on to the woke topic, and those seem to be the things they're holding on to for all their life, um, you know, in the hopes that uh, it's somehow going going to put them over the edge. And, and here's the thing, right? That kind of that I think is is confusing is that, and I guess exit polling will show will will try to flesh some of this out. But but if things hold the way it appears to be here in the U.S. and that and that the conservatives and the Republicans make some significant process a progress on election day, there's going to be a lot of people. Who are going to, you know, blame this whole anti-trans and anti-woke thing, and that, you know, so many of the country, so much of the country actually feels that way, which is in opposition to what I've been, what I've been saying during our time together, and you know, that was one of the tipping points. I'm not sure that that's going to be an accurate portrayal. I think that uh, the politicians in this country, on both sides of the aisle, have plenty um, to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. that they spend more time working on things that most people don't care about and that a large portion of the reason 
that the Democrats will lose control uh, next week, if in fact that's what happens, is probably going to have very little to do with trans, uh, maybe something to do with woke, but is going to have a lot to do with the economy and how people are feeling with their pocketbooks lately and how the country is going uh, in what direction the country is going in general. And I'm not so sure how much some of these issues that we talk a whole lot about really make that much of a difference. I, I don't claim to know, but 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 I have my suspicions. Yeah, because it strikes me that, you know, everyone seems to have something to say, but when you ask them, okay, well, you know, what issues do you care about? You, you know, they make a list and you say, okay, well, tell me in what order you care about them and how much do you really care? And of course, as it's always pocketbook issues at the top, right? It's always the economy. It's always jobs. It's always affordability. But as you mentioned earlier, you know, um, there's an outsized attention paid by some to folks who are just trying to live their lives, right? Because it's it's probably good business for them. Like it's good business for Fox News, right? But it's totally disproportionate, right? I mean, it doesn't kind of make any sense. But But I wonder if the real problem is they really don't have anything to say constructive on those other issues. So they want to talk about something else. Right. Yeah. You know, could be. I, I, like I said, I don't pretend to know. I, I just, you know, I just observe some of these things and, um, you know, just put it in context of my own, my own circle of people that I know and that I talk to. And I generally know how they vote and I know why they're voting. I have plenty of friends that are going to vote Republican next week. And it's not because they want, you know, me to be wiped off the face of the earth. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. So, well, we spent the first half talking about the problem. I want to spend the next half talking about solutions, uh, especially, especially structural solutions. I mean, you you talk about how look, we need answers from communities, and we need answers from governments. You know, what what are the successful? What are the elements of a successful anti hate movement here and and policy agenda? Yeah, I think that it's it's like with so, so many other issues that we faced in, in our history, and it needs to be a grassroots movement. And, you know, you and I seem to be in kind of an agreement that, you know, most people are pretty fair minded when you give them the chance, but because they really don't have a big reason to do anything about it, they end up being bystanders. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the challenge is to motivate those people so that so that their voices get heard. And, you know, th- these characters on the extremes that run the agendas figure out that that's not really going to help them anymore. And then their behavior will change because their behavior... I, you know, listen, I thoroughly believe that um, oftentimes the people having the most hate-filled views, I'm not sure they even believe that themselves. Uh, I could talk to those people one-on-one and they maybe they could be fine with me. Mm-hmm. I think they do it because they think it's helping them attain some kind of a goal. I'm not saying all of them, but I think there's a there's a certain amount of them that 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 are just so focused on on what they think the end game is that that they really don't care what what they do in in it's in in, in trying to attain that um even if they don't personally believe it which is almost worse if you think about it right yeah and well i wonder you know when you it's deeply cynical i mean i think again when i think about fox news and i think about some of these folks it's obviously deeply cynical i think a little bit back to 
uh, how they were covering COVID and, and mandates. And of course, you had to be vaccinated to enter Fox Studios. <laughs> but that's certainly not what you would have learned, um, you know, or expected if you'd been watching the their coverage. But obviously, a lot of it's cynical. Well, it, 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 yeah, very cynical. And but it varies, though. It's it's really interesting. It varies because, um, you know, if if and whether it was COVID or or what we're here talking about today, because I think it's it's a good comparison. If if you watched their, like you know, I don't know what time it's on six or seven o'clock, their main their mainstream um, news show that I think is hosted by Brett Baer. Mm-hmm. Um, he seems to be a pretty reasonable person. He, you know, he leans a little to the right, but you know, there was nothing. He didn't sound like he was crazy, right? Um, and there's a number of other people that are on the show that don't sound like they're crazy. But by the time you get to Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson, <laughs> they're like in they're like from Mars, these people. And and you're right. I mean, it was so crazy with COVID. You knew they had to have the injection because they wouldn't be able to work there. And yet and yet they spewed nothing but but craziness. And, you know, they found the one doctor in the middle of nowhere, who you know, <laughs> had like, you know, a half a medical degree to support their position. Um it was so it was just it was just so crazy. And, and I think the same thing is happening now with with some of this stuff. So but but I think the solution really, really lies in in motivating um, that centrist group um, to helping out. And, and, and it's got to happen at the grassroots because you have to start with small groups and it has to spread. There's no you know, there's no way to just tackle it, you know, in one fell swoop. It's never going to work and it never has worked. Yeah. So you think that that's a process of, uh, you know, acclimatizing people to to the very idea? Totally agree. So I live in a uh, pretty conservative section of New York and and Long Island in particular. And I get a few months ago this year, it was it was during Pride Month. So, you know, it was back in June. Um, We have a local library and the local library had a display for Pride Month with um you know some some rainbow flags and some um books relating to pride and and you know that whole thing whole things related to that and um the library board um made them take it down because they did not feel that it was appropriate for the children who were in the library to be forced to see that kind of stuff. And as I mentioned to you earlier, Long Island is a pretty conservative area. It votes Republican, particularly out in Suffolk County, virtually all the time. And there was such a huge outcry that within like days, within days, that um, display was reinstalled and the library board elections down here uh, don't follow the regular election cycles. So they're held at different times. So sometime between, you know, that happened and now uh, there was a, another election for the library board. And, you know, they threw all those people out that did it. So, you know, when you see things like that in a conservative area, um, that's what gives me hope that the work that we're doing is, is you know, not being done in vain. Um, 
that when people um, are presented the facts and, and presented them in, in a way that makes sense, um, most people come to the right conclusion. And if, if, you, if you can get to that point, then you really don't care what these people on the fringe do, right? Because what difference does it make then? They, they're just overpowered. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned libraries because, I mean, that's part of a broader assault from, from some folks on the right uh, to ban books, to limit access, to un, underfund. Um, you know, these, these are important spaces for congregating, for learning, but they're also you know, what we'd call heuristics are sort of mental shortcuts and guides and Correct. they help people understand what, how to make sense of the world. Right. Correct. And, and I, to me, it strikes me that that's a very important part of the battle is getting prominent institutions, prominent uh, folks from different industries, from different walks of life to come and say, uh, trans people are people, trans women are women, trans men are men, and they ought to be respected and protected. Right. They, they kind of pattern that behavior that people then can, can pick up on and mimic. Right, right. Like, do you look out and say, you know, you're you're one of those people? Do you look out and see anyone else and say, those folks are out there patterning the behavior that that people ought to follow? They they give me hope. Does anyone in particular give you hope? I don't know. I think there's it. This you've talked about cynical, and this sounds cynical. It, <laughs> it seems to me there's kind of a there's kind of a lack of talent everywhere. I mean. Mm-hmm. For, forgetting even about some of the ideologies, whether you're left-leaning or right-leaning, the, the talent in both of these parties is is not great. <laughs> I mean, no. um, the fact that the best the Democrats can do in 2024 looks to be that they're going to try to run Biden again, you know, that just seems to me to be, a, you know, right now, I don't know about you, but would you like to bet money on a Trump-Biden rematch right now? I wouldn't. Nope. I mean, I bet good money that it might happen, but I wouldn't bet good money on yeah. the outcome. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and I mean, I realize that's an extreme example because that's, you know, the very top of power, but, um, but, you know, I think Joe Biden's a, a good guy. I think that he means well, but I think just about anybody can see that he's not, uh, he's not at the top of his game. And that when you're putting somebody up for the highest office of the land, I think it should be somebody that's at the top of their game. Yeah, it's become, I mean, the, I mean, we could have someday we'll sit down with we'll an entire episode on the state of, of the folks who are running those parties who incidentally, and, and, I, and this look generationally it skews in particular ways too. So they're having a hard time cycling in a new generation of people as well. Right. And, and that's obviously a big issue but i mean it goes back to what we were talking about generations change interests change preferences change and if society is not moving institutionally along with those changes then there's a real disconnect between the two and that you get a lot of friction out of that agreed agreed and i think that's why you know here in this country a couple of years ago and i guess the cycle before that too bernie sanders even though he's you know He's an old he's an old character like me. Uh, <laughs> he got so much traction with the young people because even though chronologically he was old, he was addressing concerns that they had. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, big time. And, and but again, I, I do think that speaks to the issue here, which is politicians can be speaking to the the issue of protecting trans people. Uh, do they need to do more? We talked about the grassroots and and community efforts. What about 
political efforts. Uh, you know, are are those adequate insofar as they exist so far? I don't believe that they. I don't believe that they are, and and those those beliefs come into uh, that or my belief in that comes from two different perspectives, right? I think that there's plenty of there's still plenty of moderate Republicans. I mean, you have a whole lot of people who are in the Republican Party because they favor the Republican fiscal policies, but they, they don't love the social policies, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's a lot of Republicans like that. Um, those people that are like that uh, need to be advocates for us. So there's so, you know, sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy. Well, you know, nobody, you know, no Republicans are going to speak out for trans rights. I, I don't think that's, I don't, I mean, that's what's happening now, but I don't necessarily think that's a, that that's how people feel. They just need to be motivated somehow to, uh, um, to say what they really believe. You know, it's kind of like right now, nobody, you know, there's a lot of people that think Trump's nuts, but they don't want to say that because he still wields power. Right. So it's kind of that same weird dynamic. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the House or the aisle with the Democrats, um, you know, I think that they could absolutely be be doing more, um, more than they're doing. Um, if if not only if if not only so much in response to um to what the other side is doing. You know, if the other side wasn't trying to tear down all these protections that we've gotten over the last few years, well, maybe you don't need to be constantly advocating. I mean, that's what we want eventually, right? We want to be able to just live our lives and not have people have to advocate for us. Mm -hmm. You know, just just live and let live. We don't need advocates if if everybody's being treated fairly. So I think there's room from 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 both sides of the aisle um to to do that um you know whether that's going to happen or not very very difficult very difficult to say is that the ultimate message that you think needs to be first and foremost that like look we are just people who are going to live our lives uh that's what we want you do your thing i'm going to do my thing and and we'll just we'll just Correct. go about our days is that like for you is that so, the core uh, message to absolutely Positively, positively. The people that are trying to take away the protections we've gotten over the past, you know, 10 years or so, um, the, the, the people that are behind that movement, how do they try to do that? They try to do that by demonizing us. Mm -hmm. um, and I can assure you, no, well, you know, Maybe somebody I just had a fight with might think so, but nobody who meets <laughs> me and spends time with me thinks I'm a demon. And I don't think the vast majority of trans people are demons. Are there a portion of trans people that are demons? Of course there are. There's a portion of every piece of the population that are demons. That's <laughs> yeah. unfortunately the human that's unfortunately the human conditions. But they demonize us. Um, you know, as a matter of course, they don't, de they're, they're demonizing the, the entire, the entire experience of being trans uh, is demonized. And here's another thing. Here's another thing that I'd love to talk about for a minute, because this is, this is really one of my favorite soapboxes. <laughs> we have a, we have a shock jock here in New York, who's very, very famous. He's on Sirius 
radio howard stern everybody knows sure he's really kind of <laughs> but you right, you're saying really we have this a, we have this new york guy and i'm thinking oh there's gonna be this but you know this this obscure right. no, new york no, guy's no, like right. howard yeah, well, stern you know, he used to, he used to, he used to be just ours right but anyway yeah, yeah. god help yeah. us but anyway yeah. <laughs> he's kind of an interesting he's kind of an interesting character uh you know he has this this crazy morning show that's now on satellite because this crazy morning show um, where he does all sorts of just, you know, gutter humor. You know, mm -hmm. some of it's funny, some of it isn't. Um, but then he can have an interview with somebody like Hillary Clinton. And it was, you know, the best interview I've ever heard her give. <laughs> so it's it's really, it's really such a, you know, it's, it's so contrary, right? But the reason I bring it up is if he had a guest on his show, or even, you know, the the guys that work for him, his, his in-house you know, crew, if they had a guest on the show start to say something negative against black people, he would shut it down. Mm -hmm. uh, if they had a, if they'd have a guest on their show, talk about something negative about uh, the homosexual population, he'd probably shoot it down. When they talk about the trans people, oh, it's a free for all. Mm -hmm. So, and I use that as an example, but I see that a lot. Um, let's look at, uh, I think it was Dave Chappelle on Netflix, yeah. uh, the anti-trans rhetoric that he went there and Netflix supported him, never took it down. If that was against a race stereotype, he would be out of there so fast, your head would spin. So, so my point is, again, there's a lot of people allowing this stuff to continue that can shut it down and they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. It ultimately comes back to what we were talking about. You need people in positions of authority. You need leaders in media and politics, cultural leaders in business to do the right thing and, and model better behavior. Right. Because people right, are going to but, follow but, that. But, I totally agree. But if, but if we look at, if we just stay on that topic for one more minute, mm -hmm. a few years ago, um, you know, Roseanne Barr came back on TV with her show. It was doing quite well in the ratings. It was, I think it was a hit for ABC, you know. And she came out with with some racial issue um, that was, you know, not not, you know, not smart by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, almost immediately there's this groundswell of, you know, um, of of holding her accountable. Yep. And ultimately she was removed from her own show. When that happens to a trans person, there's no groundswell. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about just from, I'm not talking about just from the right. I'm talking about the left doesn't really rise up either because if they did, Dave Chappelle would have been off that show. Yeah. It, it, we need a consistent standard. We need a consistent Correct. standard across the board Correct. to say that we're not, going to let people come for any group right. you know first i also it, you know every time anytime someone comes for one group it undermines every group though right because you never know who's going to be next i say that right. all i say that all the time what's happening against one i call them underrepresented groups what's happening against one under, underrepresented group you might be the next underrepresented group who knows and they're going to be coming after you yeah which is a good maybe, call to action. Maybe they won't. 
Right. Maybe they won't. Maybe there'll be a demonization of people that have one eye color each. Right. Yeah. I don't know what the population of that, but it's pretty small. And, you know, they'll, they're, you know, the, the right wing nuts will say that, um, you know, they're devil's children or something. Yeah. And so we should uh, not protect. But it's it's crazy. Right. But, you know, mm -hmm. protect I'm everyone sure you and protect yourself, though. Right. I mean, this is this right. is it. And, and it's ultimately, um, you know, morally the right thing to do. It's probably strategically the right thing to do too but morally it's the right thing to do and, and i hope folks listening no will take that to heart um that brings us to time that the conversation flew by but it was such a good one thank you so much for joining me today i really appreciate it oh and i'm so i'm so glad to be given the opportunity to talk to you today so i, I thank you for that thank you and as always thanks to carolyn smith ross clark and aisha jarrah who make the show not just possible but infinitely better than it would be without them and to all of you listening from wherever you may be listening we'll see you back here in two weeks <laughs>